Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. Uh, we are talking politics, though not politics this week. Uh, your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app, listened to around the world in uh, the most prominent voice in the Jewish community. And as we do from time to time, taking up an issue of both religious freedom, religious land use, we've talked about Eruvs, we've talked about different communities that have uh, been less than welcoming to the Jewish community, to the Orthodox community, whether they be in New York and New Jersey or elsewhere. And they, things pop up. They pop up on your screen from time to time. And uh, I'm pleased to welcome uh, a, a friend, a mentor, somebody who has... Uh, inspired many countless Jews uh, throughout my local area, which is the five towns. But beyond that, there is an island, uh, the barrier island of Long Beach, New York, uh, which also includes Lido and Atlantic Beach all the way out to Point Lookout. Um, you know, I like to show off my local knowledge. Rabbi Ellie Goodman of Chabad of the Beaches, who has been uh, successfully uh, attracting Jews uh, back to their heritage and uh, and allowing them to learn more about their heritage for, for decades at this point, as well as Jeremy Deese, the special counsel for litigation and communications for First Liberty, who is uh, assisting uh, Rabbi Goodman in what we are going to talk about this morning. Rabbi Goodman, Jeremy, welcome to Spin Class. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank you. So, okay, so Rabbi Goodman, Chabad of the Beaches, uh, you know, it's a great name. It sounds wonderful. It sounds idyllic. And uh, certainly not one that would that one would imagine courting controversy, but here you are in the news. So talk to the audience for a second. Set the stage. I talked about a little bit where Atlantic Beach is. Your your headquarters is kind of in Long Beach, and uh, but you know tell us tell us what was going on and why you decided to move uh, somewhat to the west uh, to conquer some new territory. Sure. So, uh, as you know, we're called Chabad of the Beaches. So we serve Long Beach, Lido Beach, Atlantic Beach, the entire barrier island. Uh, Long Beach is obviously the, the larger population. So we've been centered over there for many, many years. And we've been serving the community. We've done a variety of programs uh, to reach out to our, to our fellow Jews and really to, to everybody, any demographic that wants to participate, whether it's adult education, teen programs, young adults, and we've done programs in our center. We've done programs on the beach. We've done programs on the boardwalk. We've, we've done them everywhere. And uh, we've also serviced the Atlantic Beach community. And we've done many programs in people's homes throughout the years. But it came to a point where we felt that we needed to uh, really, you know, the, the, the Atlantic Beach community were missing out, being that they had to always travel to Long Beach for some of our bigger events. And we wanted to give an opportunity for Atlantic Beach to have a home as well, and that's why we uh, decided to uh, set up shop in Atlantic Beach and create a, a um, you know, a, a Chabad house there in the Atlantic Beach community. Okay, and we're talking about Atlantic Beach, New York here, right? There's not, there's another Atlantic Beach that comes up, Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. I imagine it's not quite as Jewish as Atlantic Beach, New York here is. So how in such a Jewish, a predominantly Jewish area, do we come to have controversy about a religious organization, a shul, a, a Chabad organization purchasing a piece of land. We haven't even gotten to the controversy yet and what it is, and either uh, Rabbi Goodman or, or Jeremy can, ta can take that and set the stage for it. But how do we come to this kind of conflict, if you will, between yourself and the municipality that has, that has come about? 
Well, I think for Rabbi Goodman's part, he just bought some property. Uh, and, and then the, the whole conflict began after that. You know, he bought the property that was sitting there vacant for a couple of years. No one was deciding to buy it. And it certainly filled the need that he had for uh, reaching out to the Atlantic Beach community and, and also into five towns right there at the end of the bridge. Uh, and so he purchased the property. And uh, what was it, November of 2021, a couple weeks yeah. later, they celebrated a, a, a menorah lighting right there during Hanukkah on the property. Um, and then just like two weeks later or so, the city of Atlantic Beach, or I guess they call it a village, the village of Atlantic Beach, um, they decided that now all of a sudden, and now that this Chabad wants this property or owns the property, now the village of Atlantic Beach has become intensely interested in that property. So interested, as a matter of fact, that uh, they, they feel the need to seize that property through eminent domain. Now, eminent domain is an interesting little uh, procedure, right? It's, it's kind of the, the ultimate uh, death knell of land use regulations in that uh, the city has a lot of other means to it. They, they could have at any time purchased that property outright. But instead, they decide to, to, take, to take the property, exercise their, their strength as a municipality to remove that property from its lawful owner. Uh, you know, just compensation will have to be provided, all that. But uh, their goal is to create a lifeguard operations center on that property. So they want to move the cast of Baywatch into the, 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 that property, apparently. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've got another thing coming now that we've, we've been, gotten ourselves involved. Here's the reality. Uh, they got to provide a compelling justification for taking that property and, and putting a lifeguard station there is not a compelling reason, especially when the village has multiple other pieces of property available to them within just a few feet of where the rabbi's property is. So just like that, they come up, the municipality comes up and they say, hey, I know you own this, but we actually want it or we actually need it. And this is better. And now you're Jeremy, you get involved, right? And you come here, religious liberty, your know, first liberty, you're there to protect, protect religious rights. Is there a difference here between whether this would be a private homeowner or a private organization owning this and a religious organization or a synagogue or a shul organization coming in here? Explain to the audience the differences and the dynamics that come about if a religious or if a government wants to take a, re, a property belonging to a religious organization. Yeah, I work for a legal organization called First Liberty Institute, and all we do is defend religious liberty for all Americans. And, and I like to say that this is the first time we've had to defend a synagogue or a house of worship against eminent domain proceedings by a, uh, a, a local municipality, but it's not. It's, it's actually the, at least the third time, maybe the fourth time that we've done this in the last couple of years. Um, uh, and there is a difference. If Rabbi Goodman was, you know, just uh, had his house in a place where train tracks had to go through or something like that, and the city wanted to take his house, well, that's a quite different discussion when it's owned by uh, a, a religious organization. Uh, the Constitution puts special rights upon uh, religious organizations and special protections upon them because we know throughout history the state has used its power in sort of an abusive way to push religious institutions, religious organizations off of their property, out of their community to try to, I don't know, make a different community entirely or whatever, they, whatever the reasons may be. It certainly has not been one to increase diversity and further toleration. It's rather been one that has driven religion out of the public square. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes it's just because they wanted to institute a different religion as the prominent religion in that community or whatever it might be. So instead, the Constitution and then later in through some acts of Congress, uh, they've put a special a level of protection upon uh, these religious organizations so that if the city wants to take this property, that they may be able to do so ultimately but only if they can provide a compelling justification for doing so and 
they have to demonstrate that this property, this specific property is the, the least restrictive means of accomplishing that justification. Uh, putting a, a lifeguard operations center and a playground alongside of a really busy highway doesn't seem very compelling to me. And, and I, I, I can't imagine that given the fact that there's a property across the street, that there's property down the, down the block from them, there's the property like a four or five acre parcel right beside the beaches that the city already owns and wouldn't actually have to spend any money to buy. I can't imagine that the courts are going to say that this is a, a, a compelling justification to be able to take that property. And, and thank goodness for that, or otherwise uh, religious organizations could lose their property at the whim and fancy of any political entity that wants to take it. Okay, so my Goodman, I would imagine that, I mean, you, you're, you're well known. I mean, you're, you're known to me. You're known to, to a lot of the officials in, in the neighborhood, certainly in Long Beach. Uh, I mean, did we need to get to this point in a way? I mean, why was there no discussions? How come, you know, how come the communication broke down? And I understand I might be asking questions that your lawyer might not want you to answer. So, uh, you know, you can feel free to you know, jump in. But why? Let me put it this way. And I ask this. I wonder this a lot whenever you see kind of lawsuits is why do we end up in court with this? Like, why? Why do we get to this point? I mean, why do we get to the point where there were people yelling and screaming at uh, at public meetings um, that were that were reported about this? Um, to be honest, I mean, really, I have the same question. I okay. mean, we've we've done menorah lightings Great minds for many alike. years. Yeah, we, we, we've done menorah lightings in Long Beach. Just about all the elected officials throughout all the years have always come and participated, spoke. And when we had a menorah lighting in Atlantic Beach, I did the same thing. I reached out to the village. I, I invited the mayor and the uh, and, and any other elected official to come and participate, but they weren't able to. And that, that's fine. Sometimes there's scheduling conflicts. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, no problem there. I understand. Uh, it was also we had just purchased the property. So, you know, things were just getting started. Uh, but then we had no idea that uh, there was any animosity. And uh, I, we did reach out to the village to try to speak with them. But they, they sort of like said that for legal reasons, they're not able to speak. There were, there were very minimal discussions and they've just come right out out of the box, uh, you know, with, 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 with papers, with legal papers. And that's where we're, we're blessed to have Jeremy Deese and Dice and his team and, uh, and all the others that have, uh, have helped us. So we really were as baffled as many others are. And, uh, and we just we have we have to we have to protect our religious rights. So therefore, we feel that this is looks like this is the last straw and the last uh, um, measure. But this is what had to be done. Jeremy, I mean, you're I mean, your, your organization's headquartered in Texas. I mean, you're you're you know, kind of this is a long way from home. I know you do national things, but now how did you how did you come to get involved in this? Well, thankfully, uh, Rabbi Goodman uh, either heard about one of our other cases or stumbled upon our website at firstliberty.org and reached out. And I was eager to come up and meet him and check out the property and figure out what was going on. And I'm really glad that, that happened because, uh, you know, we were able to get involved and, and partner with some really large law firms and the Harvard Law School's Religious Freedom Clinic to, to bring this suit uh, when those legal proceedings were brought against uh, Rabbi Goodman. Uh, look, there are donors all across the country that want to see religious liberty preserved for all Americans. And, and so they invest in our organization so that when uh, the civil rights of Americans like Rabbi Goodman are questioned or removed, they don't have to pay an attorney to get them back. No one should have to pay an attorney to defend their religious freedom. And so that's why we exist. And, and so I, I'm really glad that through the providence of God and, 
uh, the internet, we were able to connect together and uh, defend him and his uh, Chabad there in, in, on the beaches. If I were to ask, I mean, I've, as Rabbi Goodman knows, I've spoken to, to Mayor George Pappas, and I don't want to, uh, I consider him a longtime uh, friend and colleague. I don't want to, you know, I know he's not here, and I didn't think it was appropriate to, to just have, you know, a debate. I'm not sure he would participate anyway. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. But, you know, his contention is, well, the, the village has been looking at this for a long time. There was a study. There was this. There was that. I mean, personally, I think that we always err on the side of, you know, just my own being a religious American. I, I feel you, you give we give great deference to religious organizations if they want to if they you know, and what they want or need to do to fulfill their mission. And I think that, uh, you know, besides the fact I live in a village, which is probably 85 to 90 percent orthodox. So it's obviously a different if different dynamic. But. I think, and even we have some controversy sometimes when it comes to putting synagogues in different places. But this, of course, being on a main road, and it's it's a it's a different it's a different animal. But I, if the village is, you know, you know what, where is their defense here, and not not making it, you know, not making it, you know, it's kind of say, do they say as well? It's not personal. Like we have nothing against the synagogue. It's just you know we have a secular. We have a secular need here that we're trying to fulfill. And, you know, there's obviously a limited amount of land everywhere. I know you're saying that there's there's other options elsewhere, but isn't it the job of the village and their leadership to make the hard decisions about where they need to put certain uh, certain infrastructure? Well, they certainly can. Uh, and if they can uh, advance that justification and convince the courts that they're right on that, then perhaps the, then Rabbi Goodman will lose his property. But that discussion really needed to occur maybe three or four years ago when that property came on for sale. Uh, there, there's really no reason why the city could not at that time have purchased that property if indeed it was so precious for, to them for, for their overall goals. Uh, it just seems a little odd that as soon as the, the village, uh, or, or as soon as the, the Chabad purchases the property, uh, it's just within a matter of weeks that the village has, uh, has all this gold now to take to to take the property, and they're using the the the, the like the, the strongest measure possible. They're not they're not going to Rabbi Goodman and making him an offer he can't refuse with millions and billions and zillions of dollars. Instead, uh, they're using the the weight of the government to come uh, behind them and try to crush this synagogue into giving up the property. And that should never be the case. Um, that a, a village that wants to be a good neighbor, even just down the street, would want to be driving a religious institution like this out. See, it comes with the kind of the presupposition that religious institutions have very little to offer the community and that a lifeguard operations center is of such higher value to the community or a playground would be of much higher value to the community than a, a Jewish community center would be. Uh, and that level of uh, religious arrogance is really very frightening to me and very frustrating when uh, they had every opportunity in the world with that property sitting there with uh, an undeveloped in, inside with weeds growing outside. They have no interest in the property, or at least they've never taken any steps towards that. And then as soon as a religious institution purchases it, well, now all of a sudden they want to have that. And that's made all the more uh, frustrating when you've got dozens and dozens of comments on Facebook that are, you know, at least borderline anti-Semitic, if not fully in that, that world, that are trying to drive that uh, organization out. Let's not forget also that Atlantic Beach is not exactly home to a lot of religious organizations. I think there's one other synagogue in the community. There's no churches and there's no Presbyterians or Baptists or Catholics in Atlantic Beach. Uh, and so it's it's just a little frustrating that the Atlantic Beach officials here 
are a little less sensitive to that than perhaps they ought to be. Uh, I think Rabbi Goodman has a very good heart and wants to serve this community in a way that would be very vibrant to the Atlantic Beach community. Uh, that the city cannot see that and instead wants to steal that property through eminent domain, well, I think says a lot about the city commission instead. So I, I want to ask specifically about what you said uh, with regard to what they should have done is gone to Rabbi Goodman if they needed the property and had a you know a two-party discussion about it and said, hey, we need to, we want your property, you know, do you want to sell it to us before initiating this proceedings? I think a lot of people don't understand that process, that eminent domain is in fact a taking. Now, in certain circumstances, as you've identified, that is appropriate, right? You need to build a train and that's the only place that you could go and, you know, or you need to build a highway and et cetera. And, you know, whether we can have argument, whether it's overused or underused or whatever, or whatever it is. But, um, a lot of times what they've, what they've done is essentially initiate a proceeding, which leaves Rabbi Goodman entirely out of it. Correct. Like he has no, he has to take whatever they give. If the court decides, I just want, I just want to clarify that that's my, uh, that, that should be the understanding of how the eminent domain process works. Yeah, and that, that's getting a little bit down the road because we're, we're stopping that process at the very beginning. Right, but, but I'm saying that's their intention. That that's for, their intention. Of right. What will happen is that the city will have to make a, um, a will have to make what's called just compensation. Uh, it's not quite at market rate, but quite right around there. So the, the profitability of that goes quite a bit down. But that's, that's a secondary discussion. That issue should have been resolved before Rabbi Goodman even purchased the property. Now that Rabbi Goodman and the Chabad has purchased that property, it's taken on a different character. And that character is well protected by the Constitution and laws like the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, that now the city has to actually fork over not just uh, just compensation, but a compelling justification of the highest order in order to say that that specific property is, is useful to them for this specific compelling reason. Uh, and I think they're going to have a really, really hard time making that case. Now, they may, but, you know, that's something we're going to have to litigate whether or not it ends at the district court or all the way to the Supreme Court. We're happy to take it all the way there if we have to. Uh, I think the Rabbi Goodman and the Chabad just simply want to be good neighbors. They want to invest in that community. And uh, the people standing in the way of that right now is uh, are, are, is the village of Atlantic Beach. Okay, that's that. It's certainly surprising from my perspective that we would have that kind of conflict. So I want to, I want for the audience for a second as, as we, you know, come to a conclusion on this is, you know, can we put this in a national perspective? I mean, I know Rabbi Goodman is a local guy and does local work, but Chabad is a national organization. And Jeremy, you are involved in national uh, issues of religious liberty, as you've talked about. You know, where does something like this fit into like the national discussion of religious freedom? I, you've alluded to it. But I want to get an idea. And Rabbi Goodman, you know, is this something that other Chabad centers, other Chabad synagogues uh, have 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 come uh, to terms with? I know there's neighbor opposition, but I'm talking about this type of eminent domain thing. I mean, I, I mean, there are thousands of Chabad uh, uh, you know, shluchim around around the United States of America. You know, I just want to understand, you know, is this something they faced before? I know you guys network very, very uh, efficiently, uh, you know, within the the uh, the the world of Chabad Shluchim. Yeah, well, I mean, um, since this has gone public, we've had an outpouring of support from people from in Atlantic Beach, in the community itself, that are shocked, as well as all over across the country. And I've had a few Chabad rabbis and people involved in certain Chabads around the nation have reached out to me. And they've see, each case is a little bit different. So you can't necessarily 
uh, you know, compare one exactly to the other. But I think virtually every case that I know of, uh, basically either the city backed down or they won in court. You know, it, it really, uh, you know, we, we, we're actually, we're pleasantly surprised and happy to hear that Chabad has had a lot of success with, with these types of, of issues because it's, it's really a problem. It's really uh, uh, going against what America stands for. And there's no better. And I, I think like right now, it's, it's a very difficult time for our Chabad and for the Alani Beach community because of this. But I, and people have asked me, why, why would I pursue it? But I feel that Chabad brings so much to the community that I think that after this initial bump, and uh, I'm confident with such a, such a team and I've seen the arguments for, I think we have a real strong case over here. And I feel that hopefully this will be able to deal with very, very uh, quickly and the courts will be able to deal with it in such a manner that we will be able to create a community center. And years down the line, everybody's going to say, wow, look what Chabad has brought to the table. People won't even remember what happened so many years ago. And that's really why we are uh, moving forward, because we really, really think we have so much to offer uh, the community and uh, the community would be better off it. Yeah, Michael, I alluded earlier, this is not our first shot at this. Uh, you know, just last year, we represented Canaan Baptist Church in Oak Cliff, Texas, right outside of Dallas. They had a fire station right across the street. This is the little African-American congregation in the in the inner city. Uh, and the city decided that they wanted to build a new fire station, and they wanted to build it right where the church stood. And so they initiated eminent domain proceedings against that little church. Uh, they eventually backed down when we got involved, and uh, there are parts of the building now named after attorneys that work for us there because of the effort that we we put in on behalf of that organization. Uh, several years ago, we represented a church. Oh, Rabbi Goodman might have a problem. He might have pre-sold a lot of those dedications, so just just be careful. <laughs> work, you know. Yeah, we, we did the same thing down in Houston, though, in the inner city of Houston, where some churches had moved in years ago to revitalize that neighborhood and did a great job with it. So good, in fact, that the city wanted to take a parcel of property across the street from a church that the church owned as a prayer walk, kind of an outdoor area for their services. And uh, we came in and, and defended the church against that and then won again. And there's been efforts near you guys as well up in Aramont. We're defending uh, some uh, uh, schools up there to make sure that the city up there, uh, which has a really long and sordid history of anti-Semitism up there, stops their practices again of keeping Jewish groups out of their community. Uh, not too far from where you're at. This wasn't our case, but in New Jersey, there was a, um, a I think, a, a mosque that was under attack for eminent domain proceedings, and they lost there as well. So I, I think the, the message that the village of Atlantic Beach may want to listen to here is that, number one, this isn't the first time we've had to approach this. Number two, every time we've had to approach it, we've won. And number three, we don't give up when uh, when we, we maybe run into initial roadblocks. And then I should add very quickly after all that, uh, we're very eager for the community to be well served by Rabbi Goodman. And so as soon as we're able to make that peace with our friends in Atlantic Beach, we certainly want to do so because we think that the addition of, of the Chabad of the beaches into Atlantic Beach is a plus benefit to the city or to the village of Atlantic Beach, not one to be uh, you know, uh, removed or, or pushed away. So we're, we're just eager to get them there as soon as possible. Sure. Okay, I, I know we're, we're out of time, but I must ask because of the larger question, uh, go off topic for a second, not off topic uh, from uh, Jeremy's perspective, perhaps off topic from Robert Goodman's perspective. Uh, the main Supreme Court case uh, that you, uh, part you guys participated in and won 
which uh, for school choice, which is an incredible victory for all those who send their kids to uh, private schools, as I do, and uh, all many much of the listenership does. Uh, if you could talk, Jeremy, just for about two two minutes or so about the victory in that case and what the implications are, because it's a, so such an unbelievable win for those in the yeshiva and the uh, Catholic and any type of parochial school or any private school community. Yeah, it's a huge victory. And the issue at stake in Maine, remember Maine is very rural. It's the most rural state in the country. And it doesn't make sense for them to build schools in every single community. And so instead they give money back to the to the parents and they can send them to whatever school they want. Uh, they can even send them to private schools unless the private school is a religious school and actually believes what they teach. And then they say, well, no, you can't send your money, your money over there because that would somehow violate the Constitution. Well, the court said, and very resoundingly, no, that's that's absurd. That will not violate the Constitution. You cannot treat religious organizations uh, separately from or less equally than uh, secular organizations. And if you're going to do that, then you're going to be in violation of the Constitution. Uh, and so we're we're very excited that we won on behalf of the state or on behalf of some parents up in the state of Maine. Now the state of Maine is saying, well, yeah, sure, we got to follow the Constitution, but now those schools have to actually sign our non-discrimination statements that. Many religious schools simply cannot agree with because it violates tenets of their faith as well. So the state of Maine seems to be up to some new shenanigans and want to go all the way back to the Supreme Court, which we're only too eager to do, quite frankly. But I think the the impact that that's going to mean for religious organizations and schools in particular across the country is going to be enormous. In fact, state lawmakers right now ought to be exploring just how they provide those funds back to their parents so that that, uh, those taxpayer dollars that they invested in the system can be used to be uh, to, to pay for you know your kids' schools, my kids' schools, everybody else that may want to send their kid to a school that is consistent with what is being taught at the kitchen table. Amazing. Well, a great victory. Congratulations to you. And look, I, I wish we wouldn't have to talk about things like this, but uh, thank God, Rabbi Goodman, that there are organizations like the First Liberty Institute out there who are there to protect the religious rights of all Americans, including, you know, unfortunately, from time to time, us in the firm community who have to deal with uh, with governments that uh, become successively entangled. I'll, I'll put it lightly in in a way that so uh, Rabbi Goodman, any final thoughts from your perspective? Um, all I can say is that uh, we hope this goes quickly and that we can right away service the community. And I, I think that it's going to be something really, really special. And uh, and uh, it's a, it's a, it, the property right now is nowhere near at the level that we would like it to be. There's with we, we really have great plans and we're excited about the prospects, about serving the uh, the entire community in Atlantic Beach in many, many ways. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I really appreciate your time that you've given to talk about this issue. We're happening right here in my backyard, a, uh, a shul now in conflict with the village of Atlantic beach. Uh, well, soon, a soon to be built shul in conflict uh, that wants to take it for a lifeguard station, uh, only in America, I guess in some degree, uh, Jeremy will say not only in New York, but uh, elsewhere, uh, the, these kinds of things have happened. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, kudos to you for being out there on the front lines of defending uh, those that want to be that want to be religious, practice religion. So thank you so much for joining us. Jeremy Dice from the First Liberty Institute, Rabbi Goodman, Ellie Goodman from Chabad of the Beaches, a, a real hero of the Jewish people. And uh, thank you again. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having us. OK, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for your time. And that's it for this week here on Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week. Music.